Sefer Shemot, Parshat Kitisa, on the worship of money. Parshat Kitisa, or when you take, picks up with Moshe still meeting with God on Mount Sinai. God instills Moshe with instructions for taking censuses, anointing priests, and keeping Shabbat. After doing all of this, God gives him the tablets, the luchot, with the Aserat Hadibrot, the Ten Commandments, stone tablets inscribed with the finger of God. Down on the ground, though, a jarringly different sequence of events takes place. Exodus 32 begins, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered against Aaron and said to him, come, make us a God who shall go before us. For that man, Moses, who brought us from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. They are afraid. They are confused. So Aaron said to them, take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people took off the gold rings that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. This he took from them and cast in a mold and made into it a molten calf. And they exclaimed, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Terrifying, startling. Here we have the sin of Egel Hazahab, the sin of the golden calf, not long after the miracles leaving Egypt. In response, God threatens to destroy the Israelites until Moses, in the spirit of Abraham's actions from the book of Genesis, persuades God to forgo their immediate total annihilation. Moses famously comes down and smashes the tablets, and God writes new ones for him. Apart from the commandments and the promise of eventual restoration, it's mostly not a very pleasant parsha. One way to make sense of this off-putting sequence is to see the golden calf incident as an instance of the worship of gold, the worship of money. Idolatry can be understood as making anything finite infinite, turning anything concrete absolute. When one makes wealth the primary pursuit of their life, it can be akin to adult idolatry. And for this reason, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel went as far as calling money the world's chief idol. And when God disappears from our view, money tends to take God's place. On the one hand, what the Israelites did here is quite understandable. We can empathize with them. They were worried because they couldn't see Moses. He was up on Mount Sinai and for 40 days and 40 nights. We can see how without their leader, they were desperate for security and assurance. And in the absence of their teacher and of their God, they were left in want of something else. So they gave into the inclination, the Yetzer Hara, and desired to find that assurance within gold. We can also clearly see the parallels between this disaster and our current culture. Today, though we wouldn't like to talk about it this way, 
we have essentially made gold our God in our society? What do we allocate our time and passion to? In many cases, more than we'd like to admit, it is to the accumulation of wealth. At worst, money then becomes the end for us in our life's purpose, rather than a tool for establishing goodness in the world and in our personal lives. So what do we do now? Part of the spiritual work for those caught in finding purpose and security in wealth is to deepen one's own inner life toward an internal sense of security rather than external. Rabbi David Wolpe, a congregational rabbi in Los Angeles, recently wrote on social media, to keep kosher is to protest against being entirely a creature of appetite. To keep Shabbos is to protest against being entirely a creature of commerce. To be a Jew is to protest against the idea that a human being is entirely a creature. To be sure, Judaism is not anti-wealth and not anti-work or anti-security. Wealth can be extraordinarily impactful when leveraged by philanthropists, governments, nonprofits, and families. Our opposition is to giving one's soul over to this pursuit. In the 21st century, so much progress toward advancing human dignity and freedom is held up by the extremely wealthy who will do anything to preserve every penny. Whether it has to do with forced labor in the Uyghur genocide, opposition toward moving a minimum wage to a living wage, or fiercely resisting fair taxation, the making of money into our highest value has done lasting damage to the dignity of human beings. This idea is illustrated uncannily in the Midrash Sefer Hayeshar, Expanding on Bereshit, on the Genesis story of Midal Babel, the Tower of Babel, it says that during the building of the tower, a brick was treated as having greater value than a person. Profoundly, it reads, and they have been engaged in building for a very long time so that they had already built the city and the tower therein reached an enormous height. And by reason of the very great height, it took a full year to carry upwards the stones and the bricks to reach the builders. And thus it was done all the time, some going up and others coming down. And so difficult was the ascension and descension that when a brick would happen to fall down and break, all would lament and weep over the great loss of the brick. So when a man would fall down and be killed, no one would take the least notice of his death. Vayikra Rabbah, the Midrash on Leviticus Rabbah, makes a nearly identical accusation against the Romans. It attributes this anecdote to Rav Yehoshua ben Levi. When I went to Rome, there I saw pillars of marble that were covered with blankets so they would not crack from the heat of freeze or freeze from the cold. I also saw there a poor person with only a thin reed mat below him and a thin reed mat above him. Friends, the real world, however, makes these stories seem almost unnecessary. We can just open the daily paper or drive down the street. When Amazon employees working during a tornado die in a collapsed warehouse 
and our neighbors experiencing homelessness sleep this winter without prop proper blankets, let alone a bed and shelter. The call to do better than the gold-worshipping Israelites, the productivity-worshipping tower builders, and the property-worshipping Romans isn't one we can easily ignore. The Torah tasks us with finding and staying true to our values, despite circumstances that tell us to give in and look for security in simple solutions. May we embrace this task 